sharing some more about that in the future. So just to keep that in your thoughts, we have a great opportunity. We have a pretty good sized zip code, about 9,000 people. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, to be able to have an outreach that can touch the lives of so many. It's amazing what God can do if we just do our part as well. So keep your prayers on that. We'll be having some, some meetings and some planning sessions about that program as well. All right. Well, good morning. How are you doing today? Everybody all right? Well, that, well, that good. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, this is one of those sermons that, uh, no, let's see, I used to have it said that, heard it several times, that there's times when preachers stop preaching and they go to meddling. Have you ever heard that? Apparently so. You're shocked by it, I guess. Well, that's what may happen today. Let me tell you about, uh, I want to talk about husbands and wives today. All right, Ready? Now, you're here. You can't sneak out now because you'll be real obvious, so I'll be watching. Once upon a time, a wife, wife sat down at her computer, computer and, and she wrote, she wrote the following. The following. Are you ready? Are you this ready? is especially designed, designed for our, 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 our techie our generation. Techie generation. All right. All right. Dear, dear tech, support. tech support, last, last year, year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0, and I soon noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall operational system particularly in the flower and jewelry applications. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs I had, such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5. And then he installed undesirable programs such as Newspaper 5.0, TV News 3.0, and Football Games 4.1. As a result, Conversation 8.0 seldom runs anymore. Please note that I've tried nag running nagging 5.3 to fix the problem, but to no avail. What can I do? Signed, a desperate woman. All right. Now, of course, it took a while, because if you've ever dealt with tech support, you know they don't come back right away. But finally, they, supply, they replied, dear desperate woman, first keep in mind, boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package only, while husband 1.0 is older and more reliable operating system. So please enter command, I thought you loved me, dot HTML, and try to download Tears 6.2. And don't forget to install the Guilt 3.0 update. If those applications work as designed, Husband 1.0 should then automatically run the applications jewelry 2.0 and Flowers 3.5 and the special program Romance 9.5. However, remember... Overuse of the above application can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Silence 2.5, Happy Hour 7.0, and Beer 6.1. Whatever you do, though, under no circumstances, do not install Mother-in-Law 1.0. It runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of all your system resources. Now, keep in mind... Husband 1.0 is a decent program, but it does have limited memory and cannot learn new applications quickly. So you might consider buying additional software to improve memory and performance. We recommend also the Cooking 3.0 and the popular Hot Looks 7.7. Feel free to contact us if further assistance with Husband 1.0 is needed. Now, now we're not going to have the invitation to him yet, but... I do want to talk to you a little bit about some relationship issues today. You know, as, as crazy as that sounds, I, I, of course, I like odd humor, but I thought that was so interesting how uh, typical it is for us to reach for our computers and look online for our solutions to everything. And as Christians, we know that's not sufficient. 
So let's talk about relationships today and uh, see if we can uh, travel some good ground for, for all those of us here this morning. Nick shared last week from the last part of 1 Peter, that's our text. Our series is about having everyday hope. And I'm going to focus on this particular week, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later as well, on how we can have that kind of confidence and hope and optimism in the relationships within our homes. And so the Bible reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that Christian couples often forget something here. And I want to point it out to you. Nick read part of this last week, but I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Scripture says that Jesus suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, you and I have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now, now keep in mind, in your Bibles, there will be chapter breaks. But the Greek text originally had none. It was just all one long big letter. But so the Spirit-inspired writer says in the first part of chapter 3, right after the verse I just read, he says this, Wives, in the same way, be be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And then just a a few verses beyond that, verse 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, now, this is so fascinating to me. When he gets to this place where he says, in the same way, what's he talking about? Well, he just got through talking about the manner in which Jesus Christ set an example for us of submission and obedience and a sense of of love, the depth of love which we can't even imagine. And though they hurled insults at him, and though they they, they crucified him, he bore those wounds. For we were like sheep going astray, but now we return to the shepherd and overseer of ourselves. My, my point this morning is, is that there's a, a great need in our wives' relationships and husband relationships, our home relationships, for the shepherd of our souls to take up residence. If there ever was an area need for everyday hope, it's in the challenging world of marriage. Some examples. Uh, comedians have had a field day with this over the course of time. Marriage is when a man and a woman become as one, one comedian said. But the trouble starts is when they try to decide which one, who gets to be the leader. Men who have pierced ears are better prepared for marriage. Did you know that? They've experienced pain, and they bought jewelry. One man was asked what he did before he was married. He said, anything I wanted to. Apparently that has changed. Marrying a man is like buying something you've been admiring for a long time in a shop window. And you may love it when you get it home, but it doesn't always go with everything else that's in the house. 
And here's my favorite. I've known my wife so long that when we started dating, the Dead Sea was merely sick. No, no, that was my favorite. We had a wonderful wedding here last night. Uh, Ross and Ellie DeWillius were joined together as husband and wife, and uh, Nick performed that wedding and did a wonderful job. It's a wonderful couple. They've been preparing for this event for months and months, and it was neat to see the families all come together, and uh, it was just a very, very special evening. You know, I was thinking that, that uh, we've never worked with an engaged couple where they didn't have these high expectations. I mean, they're just almost floating off the ground when they, they come in, and, and even after several months of, of the counseling process, they're just they're ready to go. Let's do this thing. It's just really exciting. And I've never seen a couple that didn't have high aspirations for their marriage when they got started. But I have seen a few that have had some pretty real unrealistic expectations about what marriage is. Of course, in our county here in Indiana, there's less marriage licenses being sold every year. And so it's kind of an interesting thing because uh, this series is entitled Everyday Hope. And in this book of 1 Peter, we find this teaching here about marriage. And, and it's going to be a brief one for sure. But it's interesting to me. You ask most young people what kind of marriage that they would hope to have. And the answer is always some form of the word happiness. You know, it's, I'm just going to be so happy. We're going to be so happy together. We are so happy together. Well, Christian writer Gary Thomas, who wrote a great book on uh, marriage, he suggests something a little different. He says, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than make us happy? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, a Christian marriage is supposed to be characterized distinctively different from the rest of the world. Our attitudes, our behaviors, our perspectives are going to be different from those of non-Christian couples. And in our text today, Peter explains what it would look like if we really did put Jesus at the very center of our marriage. All right, you ready? Some of you maybe have been married for a long time. Some maybe may a few. No, I don't think there's any newlyweds here today. I don't think so. But some guys, guys, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it seems like only yesterday because we loved our wives so much, right? This mask thing is really hard to deal with sometimes. You know, I can't even see your smiles. Now, here we go. Number one, Peter explains what this would look like. First, he explains the qualities of a faithful Christian wife. Again, our text is in 1 Peter chapter 3. You see, God has lived in and through the lives of many of our mothers and wives and other significant women and have used them to influence us deeply. I know that's been the case in my life. I know our church has been profoundly blessed over the years by godly Christian women. And Peter says that that there are three specific attributes that these women possess. Attributes that are appropriate, not only for the Christian wife, but for all women who want to please God by their manner of living. So let's take a look at them. Number one, first is a holy lifestyle. Now, by the word holy, we don't mean perfect, don't mean pure, just it means that you're distinctive. If you go back in chapter one of this letter we're looking through, verse 15 says, but just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do. God calls us to a life of distinctive living and behavior, a distinctive lifestyle, and that will greatly influence the lives of other people. 
And Peter says this kind of living is much more important than what we say. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. How do they do this? Well, when they see the purity and reverence of your life, then they will be moved to understand better what Christ-like living is. Now, that's the first attribute, is a, is a, a holy lifestyle. And then the second one is an inner beauty. An inner beauty. Verse 3 says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing of gold jewelry, fine clothes, that sort of thing. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You know, Peter asked that for Christian women to recognize that there is a beauty that is not that the outer uh, external type, but inner. It's an inner attractiveness about them. A beauty which never fades, a spiritual beauty. So, holy lifestyle, inner beauty. And number three, here's this word, this word submissive, a submissive spirit. Verse 5 says, For this is the way that holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now again, this is where the preacher stops preaching and goes to meddling in some situations. A Gallup poll concluded 20 years ago, they asked this question. Should a wife submit graciously to the servant leadership of the husband? And 69% of the respondents said no. The number dropped a little bit, down to 60%, when respondents were told that that statement was taken from the Bible. So apparently, the fact that it came from the Bible, they changed their view just a little bit. This past week, I did my own Google search using the same question. And you know what I got back? There were no results. Apparently, there's not an issue anymore. I asked, should a wife graciously uh, submit graciously to servant leadership of the home? No response. I felt so alone in the, in the cyber universe. Like nobody else was there, you know. You see, at the very center of our sinful nature is a deep desire to do our own thing, to go our own way, make our own decisions, to be number one. But the only way you and I can ever come to God is when we... Submit to his authority. We humbly agree with his plan for our life. And we, we do that from a spirit of love because of all that Christ has done for us. Love is the foundation of the biblical understanding of submission. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself, who was without sin, he submitted to the Father because of his deep love for him. And he submitted it to the cross because of his deep love for you and me. Big deal. So to submit is not to be inferior. Jesus was equal with God, but emptied himself in submission. He said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done, not mine. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. And in the kingdom of God, the servant is always considered greater than the master. And a Christian marriage is centered on the same principle. 
A woman's not inferior or superior to a man in marriage. Galatians 3.28 tells us very simply, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So right there, you see the Christian viewpoint of this issue is totally countercultural to what you see and hear and watch and our kids are being raised on. It's totally different. Submission to the wife or the wife to the husband is not a matter of inferiority. It's a matter of love. And she does it because she loves Jesus, because she loves her husband, and because she's obeying the word of God. Now, at this point, we need to go to the men because we're crucial to seeing how this pans out in the relationship. And so Peter deals with this for us. I do remind you of Ephesians 5.25 before I talk about the, the husband, though. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, now we lead to the qualities. There's two of them, two qualities of a faithful Christian husband. The reason we don't have three is because it's all we can do to manage one. Women can do, women are multitasking. They can do so much more. We've got two responsibilities here, all right? Number one, according to verse seven, is it needs, it's an understanding spirit that we are to bring to the table. Husbands, in the same way, again, as Jesus submitted and, and sacrificed, so we are to be considerate as we live with our wives. And this word considerate, it comes from a Greek word that means knowledgeable, knowledgeable of our wives. We want to understand if a man is to be understanding or considerate of his wife, you've got to know who she is. You've got to know her heart. You've got to know her ways. You've got to know what bothers her, what doesn't. This is one of the greatest challenges of the marriage relationship or of any close interpersonal relationship. In order to love deeply, you have to love another person profoundly. And if you're to be lovingly responsive to their needs then you've got to know what those needs are. So you have to listen, and you have to, to talk less and, and understand and pay attention more. And if we're lovingly going to respond to that, it requires time, and it comes up mutual openness and patience and honesty, and above all, it takes love. So having an understanding spirit. And then there's a second quality. A man has got to develop a sensitive spirit. You've got to get in touch with your sensitive side. Now, how many of you didn't know you, you didn't know you had a sensitive side? Well, it's in there somewhere. Probably it's died for lack of cultivation, but you can, by God's help, you can resurrect this thing. The Bible says, husbands, and again, in the same way, you be considerate as you live with your wives, and you treat them with the respect as heirs with you. The Bible uses this word weaker part of it. That's not about strength. That's not about spirit. That's, that most women don't have the physical makeup, the ability to do things guys can do in terms of, of, of work and so on. And I, my, I can lift a lot more than my wife can lift. But you treat them as one as, who is, is more sensitive. We're not talking about just physical things, but her emotions are sensitive. I can hurt my, my wife's feelings by not being considerate. I've been in the doghouse a few times. How many of you have been in the doghouse? You know, even our dog is not in the doghouse as much as I'm in the doghouse, you know, because she likes her dog. But we have found such joy in trying to understand how each other ticks. And over 30-some-odd years now, we kind of know each other. I know what certain looks mean. Have you seen the look? Huh? How many men know what the look looks like? 
I appreciate the involvement. That's awesome. You're with me. Anybody over here understand what the look is? This is so bright, I can't see. I think one of you shook your head. I'm not real sure. Well, it's a sensitivity that we have to be very, very alert to. Because a wife has great precious value and it should be highly esteemed. One writer expressed it this way. A woman was created from the rib of man, so she was not made from his head to be above him or his feet to be trampled on, but to be by his side of equal value to him, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. Because husbands and wives are neither inferior nor superior to each other. And we're encouraged to love one another and to serve one another, to go out of our way to make sure that we're considerate, even in ways that we haven't even learned how to do this just yet. I'm still learning. I'm still learning some of the deep mysteries of my wife. And it's an, it's an adventure. So husbands and wives need to be sensitive then. The husband needs to be sensitive. Husband needs to be understanding. And to emphasize the seriousness of this kind of fellowship, Peter then goes on to say this. He says, we do this so that nothing will hinder our prayers. You know what that's saying? It's saying married couples are called to live in such an open and honest and sensitive and loving and forgiving relationship that our prayer life and the freedom we have to talk to God about anything and everything is not hindered. Because when these things are not dealt with or we don't make the effort to try to see them achieved in our marriage relationships then our ability to go suddenly go talk to God is going to not be as effective as it would be. It puts a barrier between us and the Lord when we are not sensitive to our spouses. That's kind of scary. We're to treat our wives with understanding and honor as one who's precious and to live with them together as heirs of the grace of God in all of its forms and to be forgiving and in doing so, our married life will not become a hopeless end. It will become an endless, everyday hope experience. And that's our goal. So, let me wrap up. One Sunday morning, a preacher was doing the children's sermon. And uh, he held up this ugly-looking shirt. And... Uh, he confessed, I kind of wear this from time to time around the house. But he explained to the children, he said, someone had said that the shirt was pretty ugly and should be thrown away. And he said, this really hurt me. And then he said, I have trouble forgiving the person who said those mean things to me. And so he then asked the children, do you think that I should forgive that person? Now, immediately, the pastor's six-year-old daughter was there, and she was right there in the front, and she raised her hand. Her name was Alicia, and she said, well, yes, you should forgive them. No hesitation. But why? The person hurt my feelings, the pastor said. To which the little girl looked up at him and said, because you're married to her. And because we're married, if you are, we have a responsibility to be sensitive, to be thoughtful, to live with our wives in an understanding way as men, but also wives, to be patient with us, be patient with your husbands. You are our helpmate. There was nothing I would have ever gotten accomplished in my life of any great significance if I had not had the support and encouragement of my wife. And uh, 
I know many of you could probably say the same thing. All right, so we're making progress on this being uh, uniquely hopeful every day. And David's going to come now and lead us in our closing. If you'd like to stand together, that would be wonderful. <clears throat>